from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome to Cairo Nights. I am your host, Jake Scorheim. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening on the podcast, wherever you are, whatever time zone you're in, thank you so much. We really do appreciate it. I got Matt Butler here. Lisa's going to come in and do the news in just a little bit. And this is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. We're going to talk about a lot of fun stuff. I was really excited about tonight's show, not just because it's Friday. I love Fridays, super fun. Uh, we get into the weekend, which is great, but just that the show seems chilled out and lots of fun. But also because we have a lot of great stuff. A lot of times at the end of the week, we kind of sometimes run out of stuff. Not usually on this show because we're so good at finding it, but we have a lot of good audio this tonight to talk about. I was going to say this week. We have had a lot, of, a lot of good audio this week, but we have a lot of good audio to talk about tonight. I'm going to play it for you. Some really controversial bits of audio, too, that I'm going to play for you, and it's probably going to enrage you, and also some things that might make you laugh. So we're going to go on an emotional journey tonight on the show. I hope you guys are ready for it. Let's jump into it. First, I have to start by explaining to you what my morning started like which was not fun. So I wake up, it's like, I don't know if you guys care about this, but I'm going to share it anyway because I just feel like it. I wake up probably, my usually set my alarm for about 6.30. I never get a chance to hit my alarm because my kids are always up before I am, which then wakes me up. But I set it for 6.30. Best case scenario, I can take a shower, do all the stuff I need to do, and then I'm like, I'm in dad mode by 7 o'clock and I'm going around and, you know, making breakfast and all the stuff that you're doing every morning. All the stuff that you guys all do all the time if you have kids. You guys get it. But this morning, I'm, lay, I'm, I'm just about to hit the alarm and jump into the shower and I hear a, like just this shrieking screaming that every parent knows they all know the sound your kid has done something stupid or whatever they're hurting and I'm like oh man this is a great start to the day what a fun way to start Friday most parents greet this noise with kind of an eye roll because you know that probably the kid's fine they're just upset about something they maybe even got in a fight with one of their siblings so my youngest son runs into our room he is just, you know, beside himself in tears and yelling and screaming, saying that he got hurt. And he's asking, I don't know what he's asking for. He usually takes these opportunities to try to, like, get something out of it. So if he's screaming and crying, he might then say, oh, I want to watch a show. Because we try to limit TV time as much as we can. Say, I want to watch a show. And we have to say, no, 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 you can't watch a show during the week. Or he might be saying, I want a piece of candy or whatever he's complaining about. You guys all have kids. You understand how this works. They're really good at manipulating you. So I'm thinking, and again, it's dark. It's like 6.25 a.m., something like that. The lights are still off in the bedroom. My wife and I are still like trying to get the last few blissful minutes of sleep. But my youngest kid is now in between us who's jumped in the bed. He's screaming at us, saying that he wants candy or whatever. We're trying to say no. And I reach over to try to like, rustle his little hair and say, oh, you'll be okay, buddy. And I, my hand brushes across a lump on his face that should not be there. I'm like, whoa, what is this? He had apparently like taken a, just a dive into one of the, uh, either a wall or a windowsill. I'm not sure what it was. The, the story's not completely clear because it was relayed to me from a six-year-old, his older brother. Uh, he apparently just went headfirst into the wall. They were doing something they should have been doing. They're jumping on beds or whatever they were doing at five, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning because that's what kids do at 6 a.m. in the morning. And he has this lump. I mean, it is a golf ball on the right in between his eyebrows. And, you know, any parent knows this. You're just like, wow, that's one. I didn't know that the body could swell up that fast into a golf ball. But he's literally, I mean, he looks like, 
He's a cute kid, but he looks like a caveman right now. I mean, he looks like a Neanderthal. He, it's awful looking. He just looks awful. And now oh, throughout the day, it started to bruise. Uh, my wife, of course, this morning, she's like, we got to get him into the doctor. We got to take him to the doctor. And I'm just like, you know, because I'm a dad and I'm different than she is. I'm like, ah, I'll probably be fine. Let's just give him some ibuprofen. She's like, you can't give him ibuprofen. What if that clots his blood? Or he has, has internal bleeding, and ibuprofen makes the blood flow faster. You just can't do that. So best case scenario, you can give him Tylenol, and I'm just like, well, what's the difference? So this is the great thing about moms, is they're not dads. And my wife's instincts were all, even though they were maybe a little bit like bigger than my instincts, they were all correct, as, a, as it turned out. So we ended up calling the doctor, and the doctor's like, yeah, well, head injuries like that, if it swells up that fast, and if he's having like, you know, any complaints about his eyes or anything like that, could be a concussion. So we recommend you bring him in. So we took him into the doctor. Long story short, he's fine. He just looks like a caveman now, like a t- which basically is how he acted anyway. So he's now, he just like looks as he is acting. So maybe that's a, I don't know, it's not a better thing, but it is a, you know, he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. I say all of that to say, I'm so happy to be here with you guys, <laughs> not in my house, with these cave children running around, diving into walls and getting golf ball size lumps on their head. It's chaos. And so I thank you that I have the opportunity to come here. I can tell you these stories. I can get this stress off of my shoulders and just hang out with you guys. And I get to enjoy my evenings because I'm with you and not with them. I love my family. Don't get me wrong. They're great. But there is a certain amount of stress that comes with being in a household with three little boys and we got another one on the way. So it's kind of crazy. But I get to hang out here with you. So that's fun. If you guys have any situations like that that you've been in, I always love hearing parenting stories. 888-973-5476. That's the text line. We can commiserate together. And then we feel like better parents, which is great. All right, let's get to the show. We got a lot of stuff to get to. First off, Trivia. I'm going to play you an audio clip from a random movie. Uh, movie. You don't know which movie it is until you hear the clip. I'm not going to give you any hints. I'm just going to play it for you. And then in the top of the news roundup, I will give you the answer. You can also try to text me at uh, the text line I just gave out, 888-973-CAIRO. That's 888-973-5476. If you want to be part of the conversation, we do our best to respond to as many of those as possible. Although we're getting more and more, which is actually, I think, a good sign for our audience. It's a bad sign for texting because it means that uh, hopefully you guys are not texting while you're driving. Hopefully you're at home or maybe even stuck in traffic. I, I guess that's fine if you're not moving and you're safely and you know not crashing or anything like that. So just text when it's safe. Pull over on the side of the road. If you really feel like you want to be part of the conversation, you can text us. And uh, you know I guess it means our audience is growing, that we don't even have time to respond to all these texts. So that's nice. But we really do try. We read every single one of them. Absolutely. We can read really fast. We read them all. So we get a sense of what you guys are saying, but we can't respond to every one of them. But we we will if we get a chance. So text us. All right. Here's your trivia clip. It's really fast. It's really short. Good luck. Hoo-ah! Did you catch that? <laughs> all right. I'm going to play it for you one more time. Hoo-ah! I'm looking for movie that this is from. Uh, you can text me that. You can. Uh, we'll tell you all of this information at the start of the news roundup at the start of the next hour. I'm looking for movie that it's from, and I'm looking for actor. Bonus points for actor, if you can name the actor, although it's pretty self-explanatory if you know anything about acting. I think you know who it is. All right, good luck. Let's move on. There has been another airplane incident. We talked about one last week that was super scary. 
uh, last couple of weeks we've been talking about it, that airplane, uh, that Alaska Airlines flight that had to make an emergency landing at 16,000 feet because a, a plug fell off the door, which the emergency door essentially is what I'm describing, fell off in midair. We've all seen the video. The passengers were okay, were okay thankfully. Nobody got hurt. Maybe mentally they got hurt because there's a bunch of lawsuits out right now. They're actually, uh, there's some, uh, a group of passengers are filing some lawsuits against Boeing and then another one against Alaska Airlines. And uh, we'll see how those play out. But there has been another airplane incident. Fortunately, this one was not nearly as scary. It, was, it sounded like it was scary for the uh, flight attendant who was involved in this, but not the rest of the passengers. They were inconvenienced, though, and that's what would be a bummer. There was a flight that was heading to Seattle. It's on its way to Seattle from Tokyo, and listen to what happened. This is on My Northwest. You can read the story there and uh, uh, you know discover all the fun of the story at MyNorthwest.com. But it's a pretty crazy story, so here it is. A flight headed from Seattle... Uh, for Seattle from Tokyo, had to make an abrupt return an hour into the flight. How about that, you guys? Can you imagine being an hour into the flight and the pilot comes on and he says, hey, we got to turn around. We got to go back. So now you're going to be in the air for two hours and you are right back where you started. That's a pain. That's no fun. Now, if the plane is experiencing some issues that need some mechanical fixes, yes, I'm all for that. But the reason that this plane turned around is because apparently, allegedly, one of the passengers on this flight bit a female cabin crew member mid-flight, which is not a good thing. So the all-Nippon Airways ANA flight departed from Tokyo's um, Haneda Airport just before 10 p.m., only made it about an hour out on its way to Seattle before the incident occurred, according to CNN and MyNorthwest.com. The flight, uh, the female flight attendant sustained minor injuries. Thank goodness she's okay. A spokesperson with ANA confirmed the male passenger, who was not named by Japanese officials, was detained by police after the flight landed. Uh, a similar, uh, Many similar incidents happened in 2022 when two independent instances of passengers... Um, I'm sorry, CNN cited similar incidents that happened in 2022 when two independent instances of passengers hitting and biting crew members and other passengers on flights occurred. The individuals were fined $81,950 and $77,272, the two largest penalties ever levied by the FAA. So long story short here, somebody bit a flight attendant. They had to turn the plane around. That's a bummer. Everybody on the plane is okay, save for the flight attendant who probably has some bite marks or something. I don't know. And I imagine this person's going to have a pretty hefty fine. So if you find yourself in the air sometime in the future, in the near future, and you feel a little chompy, like you're going to bite someone, don't, because it's going to cost you a lot of money. And everyone's going to be very upset that the plane had to turn around. That's no fun. All right. This is the audio that I was referencing at the top of the show that I was excited to play you guys. This is going to enrage you, this story right now. There was a lady, uh, a a young worker at a company called... um, What's the name of this company? The name of the company is called Kite Baby. Kite Baby apparently makes like baby clothing and they sell like baby swaddling stuff and they focus on babies, which makes the story all the more enraging when you hear the details of this. And then I'm going to play you some audio that you're just, it's going to confuse you like it did me. Maybe it doesn't enrage you, but maybe it confuses you. I'm confused that a company could be this dumb, could make, could make decisions that were this poorly, um, considered from a PR perspective. All right, so listen to this. A baby clothing CEO has now issued two apologies after apparently she fired a worker who had asked to work remotely so that they could spend time, the worker was asked to spend time in the NICU 
with their newly adopted son who was born premature and was born very premature and was going to have to spend a good deal of time in the NICU. So this employee goes to her boss and says, hey, I'd like to work remotely. And the boss says, well, I can give you two weeks, but after that, you got to come back. And if you don't come back, your job's not going to be here, apparently, is what is what this uh, story says. So the employee said, all right, well, of course, I'm going to choose my child over my work. News of this eventually spread when this employee did indeed find herself out, out of a job. News of this uh, very bad, very bad PR decision spread. And the CEO got onto TikTok of this company called Kite Baby. And the CEO went onto TikTok and gave kind of an explanation and an apology. The problem with this apology, as you will hear when I play it for you in just a second, is it seems very disingenuous. It seems very much like somebody said, hey, we're getting a lot of bad, uh, bad press from this. We're getting a lot of bad people in the comment section of wherever we're posting our stuff. That's going to hurt our business. You need to get ahead of this and you need to apologize and make sure that the public knows that we don't want to treat our employees this way. So the CEO goes on to TikTok and posts an apology, which comes across as extremely um, practiced. And it looks like she's reading a statement, which I understand CEOs are going to do that. They're going to try to say things that are, I guess, legally correct, but there's no heart in it. And when it sounds like the decision was made without considering how badly somebody wants to be there for their kid. And instead you're saying, well, no, you got, you got to be at work, not with your kid in the NICU, which is insane. I just cannot imagine a company making such a dumb decision. So listen to this, uh, listen to this first clip I'm going to play here. This is the CEO. The first time they got on and they issued a very scripted sounding apology did not go over well. This is the first of a couple apologies the CEO has now put out. I wanted to hop on here to sincerely apologize to Marissa for how her parental leave was communicated and handled in the midst of her incredible journey of adoption and starting a family. I have been trying to reach out to her to apologize directly as well. Kaibaby prides itself in being a family-oriented company. We treat biological and non-biological parents equally. Through both my personal and professional experiences, I have the utmost respect for babies, families, and the adoption community. All right, so I have the utmost respect for babies, families, and the adoption community. So she runs a baby company. Now, just imagine that. You have a young worker at your company that says, hey, I, I cannot ever imagine somebody coming to me. Like, certainly here at the radio station, if somebody went to my bosses at the radio station and said, hey, the, uh, the child that I'm adopting is in the NICU, and we were their parents now. We want to be there for that child. We're going to be there. And we don't know what's going to happen yet. But it's very important to us that we get to spend this time with that child and to make sure that that child has loving parents right there with them every single second of the day. Because Marissa and her husband, Raleigh, they're from Dallas. They had struggled to have a family. They had lost, apparently, according to the story, they had lost three pregnancies then they went through a very painful IVF process. And anyone who's gone through the IVF process knows how scary that can be. You have so much hope. You're trying to make a family so badly, but it doesn't always work. Apparently, Marissa nearly even died during a surgery that she had. And so when the opportunity came up to adopt this child, who was named Judah, they jumped at it. They said, yes, this is our miracle baby. This is the baby we've been praying for. The problem was that Judah had to go in the NICU, like I was describing. And it was nine hours away from El Paso, where they live and work. And so she said to her boss, I want to go and spend time in the NICU with this child. It's my child. Can you imagine being a boss and hearing that story, 
knowing your employee who you see every single day at the office and saying no, disaster. That's a disaster response. So horrible. So bad. Happily, everyone online agreed and they went, no, this is bad. You shouldn't be able to do this. So the CEO issued that first apology and everybody said, boy, this sounds really scripted. This sounds really bad. So the CEO then issued a second apology. This one is unscripted and she's trying to, again, explain what happened. It just doesn't sound that much better to me. I just posted a official apology on TikTok and the comments were right. It was scripted. I memorized it. I, I just basically just read it. It wasn't sincere and... I've decided to go off script and just tell you exactly what happened. I've been thinking about what went wrong and I think sincerely what went wrong was how we treated Marissa. And I was the one that made the decision to veto her request to go remote um, while she has to stay in NICU to take care of her adopted uh, baby. And when I think back, this was a terrible decision. Yes, it was. <laughs> this was a terrible decision. Very bad decision. I was insensitive, selfish, and was only focused on the fact that her job was um, had always been done on site. And I did not see the possibility of doing it remotely. However, having a little bit of sensitivity, understanding, and flexibility would have accommodated her, but I did not accommodate her her so it i cannot imagine the stress she had to go through not having the option to go back to work and having to deal with a newborn in um in NICU so thinking back it really was a terrible mistake i own a hundred percent of that she then goes on to say that as a mom and as a female owner of a company that focuses on babies this was probably the wrong decision you think as a mom, as a, a female um, owner of the business, and especially a baby business, I feel like I need to set the straight, the record straight, that I fully realize the um, impact of my action, my decision, my short-sightedness, um, that I did not accommodate Marissa fully and did not even reach out to her personally, didn't even talk to her at all um, about what happened to her. Isn't that crazy? When she reached out to say, I need this time off, my kid's in the NICU, I got, I mean, that's an emergency situation for a parent. When your kid's in the hospital, nothing else matters. Truly, like it just doesn't. There's no job in the world that I would fight to keep if it meant that I had to not be with my kids, especially when they needed me in the hospital. That's craziness. Uh, until today. And I really want to apologize to her and to the community. And I would really want to take this opportunity to say that I'm sorry and I would, you know, rethink about the whole thing. This is a really tough position that this company's in because I'm sure there's a lot of people who like their products, but if you don't like the nature of the way that the company handles their employees in this day and age where we kind of know all that stuff now, it's not just like a product that you're buying and you're not even thinking about the culture of the company. People really consider that because you're paying a lot of money for some of these products. So my question to you is, hit me up on the text line, let me know, 888 973 
do you forgive this boss? Do you think that she handled this correctly? I mean, like she didn't handle the initial thing correctly. We all agree on that. But do you think that she has done enough now to make up for her earlier failings? She's offered uh, this this woman her job back. She said, as soon as you want to come back, the job is yours. We will keep paying you remotely as you need to spend whatever amount of time you want to spend with your baby. I mean, they're doing as much PR uh, you know, work as they can to solve this problem. But do you think this company survives this? This is a bad situation for them. All right, we got a lot more coming up on the show next we're going to talk to Mike Lefko. There's some very exciting things happening with the Seahawks coaching search. I want to keep you guys up to date on that. So we're going to have that and so much more coming up here on Kyra Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scoreheim. Welcome back to Kyra Nights. I got a good buddy on the show with me right now, Mike Lefko from 710 Seattle Sports. And every time Mike comes on, that means... Score time with Scoreheim. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jake. You know what? I look forward to this every Friday. I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's score time. It's score, score time. time. Yes. Here we go. I love it. Well, I hope our audience looks forward to it as much as you and I both do. Um, and I really do. It's fun. Yeah. So thank you for we, coming. We didn't have a, even have enough time to talk about half of what we wanted to last week. I know. We That's ended up so much just talking about on. like dreaming about an NBA team. The Sonics. I mean, yeah. we could do that. Ugh, we could. Okay. We could do that for. A I don't long want to time. get distracted. We could do that every single Friday <laughs> until they come back. <laughs> let's talk about Sonics every time. Um, all right. So let's start with like the coaching sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Where, who's going to be the next coach of the Seahawks? Uh, we are really nowhere. We're no, it's, a, it's a slow process. It's a good start. Now, here's the thing. There's not really a lot of urgency in the NFL because there aren't set timelines that things happen until the Super Bowl ends. And so a lot of guys the Seahawks are interviewing, they are part of staffs that are still in the playoffs, which that's it's kind of a good thing. You want coaches so that are wor- still coaching. They're, they're not worrying about these guys being plucked up by somebody else. Uh, that's also the issue, too, because oh, okay. a lot of these guys that are getting a lot of interviews they're in high demand. So, you know, five to six, maybe seven teams are interviewing the same people that Seattle is. And that's just, that's the nature of this offseason. There are seven openings right now. There were eight. The Crazy. Patriots filled theirs right away. So there are seven openings. So a lot of guys are going to interviews and you really do have to kind of cast a wide net because if for some reason you do zero in on a choice and he gets plucked somewhere else, all right, you better really know what you want in that second choice. So with the Seahawks, you have, uh, you know, the number one guy right now, is it still Dan Quinn? Are people still excited about him, or has his name kind of started to fade a little bit? Uh, Dan Quinn is the familiar option. He's the, the maybe the safe option. So it falls into two camps, and this has been the fascinating discussion that we've had pretty much every day on our shows uh, across our station. Do you want something that is almost a continuation of the Pete Carroll culture? And certainly Dan Quinn knows everything about what was going on here. He was here. He was here for the success, but he was also you know part of the Pete Carroll system where, hey, it's been a struggle these last few seasons. That's why Pete Carroll is no longer the head coach. So if you're in the camp of don't rock the boat and you want to keep that continuity, maybe with a fresh face or maybe with a guy that might come in with some new ideas in Dan Quinn, but still the overall concept's the same. Keep this roster, manage them, keep them going. Then Dan Quinn's probably your favorite. If you want a guy who's vastly different an untested, maybe like an offensive or defensive coordinator right now who they have skewed young, like these coordinators everyone's talking about. They're in their mid-30s, so they're skewing young. But those are the guys who recently in the NFL... When they've worked, they've had great ideas. They've had great teams like Sean McVay with the Rams. Yeah. He was he's the shining example because he was hired at 31 years old. And a few years later, they won a Super Bowl. I know it makes me feel bad about myself. Just insane. A couple years out of his 20s. Yes. 
and he's the 31. head coach of an NFL I couldn't run team. an NFL team at 31. Could I you, couldn't do it now. I, I couldn't do it now. But, like, imagine just the leadership skills that somebody yeah. has to come in, being able to say, all right, I'm not – like, Sean McVay, clearly, looking at him, he's not an athlete. He seems like he's fit and everything, but was he like a, a stellar college athlete? Yeah, I don't remember. I think he was a wide receiver somewhat. He's got a football background because uh, his grandpa was some big-time football executive. Okay. So he's been in football his whole life. Gotcha. Okay, but compared to the guys that he's around, right. he doesn't look like those guys. I mean, he, those he's guys in are, pretty good shape. Well, he's he's short, he, but yeah. He's, but he's not giant. Yes, right. Those guys are big, He's giant. not like a Dan Quinn or a Mike Vrabel, who was a former NFL player at a high yeah. level, and that's another name that's been thrown out there. And so. he's not like Pete, who has the age and experience, so these young guys right. look up to him. They're literally looking at a peer. I mean, like, they're just sli- he's slightly older than his players. But that's a reason why there's a school of thought that you want someone like that in order to relate to today's players. Sure. Because the old school line of coaching, even Bill Belichick, who is stood up and, you know, put on that pedestal as the greatest NFL coach of all time, he has struggled in the last couple of years because he can't relate to his players. That's yeah, kind of the, the mantra in New 71 England. 71 years old. Yeah. What do they so have in common with a 71-year-old guy? I know. So do you want someone that is more relatable, if they can garner that respect, who's in their mid-30s, that's close in age to these guys and knows exactly what life's like now? I don't know what the kids are doing these days. I don't know all their lingo, but... Someone in the locker room like that that can relate Some, to them. Somebody knows how to use TikTok. Yeah, I yes. don't. Yeah, I I refuse to download that. So I don't. I don't go. know why I've stayed off it for so long. But hey, I'm still pounding that fist to stay off it. But there's a school of thought there that if you do want someone like that, that around the league, that's become kind of a hot, popular thing because of Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins, Kyle Shanahan's relatively young with the 49ers, and Sean McVay, of course, with the Rams. Like fresh and new is always yes. exciting, it, right? Like, exactly. Like I I like the idea. What what do you have a preference? Because I yeah. know how I feel about it. I, I do, and I think yes, I'm leaning towards that school of thought as well. You want fresh and new because I just want I just want a vast shakeup. You know, the Seahawks have found a great level of continuity, but that continuity hasn't led to any postseason success. Yeah, they haven't made an NFC Championship game since the year they went to the Super Bowl and, and lost to the Patriots. But they haven't made a conference title game since then. So you're going on almost a decade now. And they've only won. I think last time we were on, talking what, one about playoff game, one playoff game like since six 2016. Years? Yeah, yeah. So you run the risk of bottoming out and having it not work. And for a culture that established that continuity of 14 years of head coach and GM together, that is a risk. But if you don't rock the boat. You might also just bring in someone who your ceiling isn't much higher than what you had with Pete Carroll. Yeah. I like Dan Quinn. I mean, I think the idea of him makes sense yeah. in a lot of ways, but I, I agree with you. I mean, I think the idea that you could get somebody fresh and new and shake things up, the best case scenario for Dan Quinn is he takes what Pete had already built and he gets it over the line and maybe they have some success in the playoffs. But when you look at the Seahawks as they are right now, are they a dominant team who could win in a, who, who could win a Super Bowl? They have good pieces. And I don't think right now with the pieces they have, they can. But if you get a little bit boost, and that's why I think for me and for some people, new is appealing because you want to see what a fresh idea, a fresh mind, and a fresh guy can do with all these pieces. Yeah. Because it felt like that very good offense for the Seahawks was completely underutilized last year. So you don't want someone that necessarily comes in and has the same kind of mindset and maybe doesn't have innovative ways to get guys open. So the hot names right now for young offensive minds are the Texans offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, and the Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. It's because they've taken uh, teams where nothing was really expected in terms of the Texans with a, a rookie quarterback and had a lot of things they needed to improve on, and now they won a playoff game, and C.J. Stroud looks great. Or the Lions have always struggled, yeah. and Jared Goff was traded out of L.A. because he couldn't do it with the Rams, 
Well, now he looks now great, great with the Lions. With the Lions, and Ben yeah. Johnson has been uh, highly praised for the concepts he does, for the way he puts his guys in situations to succeed. So, yeah. hearing all that and with the offensive pieces the Seahawks have, that's incredibly appealing. Ben Johnson, I didn't, I didn't realize his name was on it. He is the brother of a very good friend of mine. Oh, really? Who was like a former oh. roommate, really good friend of mine, and uh, so he's exciting. I mean, the idea that he could come and be in Seattle and you know take the take over the so team. So that's would your be, preference now. That's my preference now. Yeah, I want Ben Johnson. Yeah, I'm gonna have a direct line to the guy. And now, call him up okay, right now. when he's hired and you have that direct line, first interview coming yeah, on our station. I'll send him to okay, you. Let's I'll say go. Ben. You got to talk to Mike. I want Absolutely. Ben Johnson now too. You want Ben Johnson because too? of that. <laughs> he, I. I, he does a great job with the Lions, though. And every time, every time they show him on the sidelines, mm-hmm. he looks like he's like Sean McVay. He's yes, just like he's in exactly. it. He's super engaged in the game. Looks like he's, you know, Ben Johnson all the way. That's exciting. If you're along that school of thought, too, you look at the division specifically for the Seahawks, and they're competing with the Niners and the Rams. you got to play those teams at least twice a year. And so that definitely plays a factor. If you're in a weaker division like the NFC South or the AFC South as it had been, you might be able to do a safe choice. I think you need to go bold because the teams you're competing with every season. Yeah. Ah, it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, we didn't even have a chance to get to just, okay. We got like 30 <laughs> seconds. Okay. Bill Belichick, Atlanta Falcons. Is that going to happen? seems like it. He's gotten a second interview and he's the only one to get a second interview. So it would be wild for a franchise that suffered their worst, most agonizing loss at the hands of Bill Belichick to hire him, but they like his pedigree. Well, he was four and 13 last season. Though. Yeah. Is that like not Call into question anything for them? Uh, I mean, he's going to be 72 when yeah, the Yeah, it sounds starts. like the Falcons roster has a lot more talent than the Patriots did. And okay. you just need a guy that maybe can just come in for a couple years, maximize yeah. that talent. Yeah. He's not going to be a long-term answer. Like, no, I don't even know obviously. how long he wants to coach again. Maybe I, maybe just one more year. I was Probably just to wash that, that 4-13 yeah. record off of his Yeah, obviously. All right, well, uh, lots of fun stuff. Go Ben Johnson. That's the that's my takeaway from this one. Um, Mike Lefko, 710 Seattle Sports. Thanks for coming yeah, in. Yeah, always fun. Thanks, Jake. All right, we got a lot more coming up on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I'm Jake Scorheim, your host. Thank you guys so much for hanging out. I uh, I was driving in the car earlier today, and I was listening to the radio. And I don't always listen to talk radio. Sometimes I, you know, when I'm searching for Cairo Radio 97.3 FM, sometimes I scan across some uh, music stations, and a song came on that just kind of like blasted my head back in time. And it just took me to this other place. It was the weirdest experience. I just don't often listen to music when I'm driving. And so I was listening to this song and I was like, what is this experience that I'm having? I'm going to play it for you here in just a second. But I was trying to put my finger on what it was and what it made me think about was like that time in life way, way, way back in the day when you were, when we were all younger and maybe we were newly in love. Also, it was like technologically kind of a different time. I don't know if people are still doing this, but did you guys used to make mixtapes uh, for, especially for people you cared about? Like if I had a special young lady I was interested in, you might make a mixtape and that would scare her and then you would never talk to her again. Or you might make her something and then you would never give it to her or whatever. Or in the early days, this is kind of nice, in the early days when I was dating my now wife, when we were just, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend, we would make mix and technology had advanced a little bit, but like I would make, uh, you know, we'd go on road trips and stuff like that. And she would make, and I would make uh, on our iPods, which were for any young people listening, were kind of like an iPhone, except you couldn't call anyone on them. And back in the day when you had an iPod, you would go, Oh, wouldn't this be great if this thing made calls? 
And eventually they just figure that out. And yes, now, now iPods make calls. And now that's what your phone is. So back in the day, we would make these mixes and then you would have your playlist. You would make this, you know, the mixtape turned into the playlist, turned into, I don't think people do them anymore. But this song that I was listening to this morning to go all the way back hit me. And I was thinking, what a beautiful song this is. And I'm talking, of course, this is going to date me a little bit. It's going to show my age a little bit, but Casey and Jojo, all my life, I pray for someone like, dude, you guys remember this song? Oh my gosh, it's so soulful. songs like this anymore? Like, can you guys let me know on the text line? 888-973-5476. Are people making beautiful love ballads like this anymore? The kind of song that you'd listen to and you just like daydream of the person that you were hoping to marry and ride off into the sunset with someday. Here we go. lyrics all my life I've prayed for someone like you and I thank God that I finally found you it's just like I really like lyrics I'm really interested in lyrics that's so simple and it just completely captures what somebody feels when they're dreaming about somebody else like that you're hoping romantically things move forward with this speaks completely I'm gonna you know what this has inspired me to do I don't even know if it's I might make it on I don't even know how I would do this anymore I used to make mixed CDs all the time because computers did that I don't even know if my my computer doesn't even have a CD port anymore. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to put together a playlist, and I'm going to get it, make it for my wife. I want to play her this song. I'm going to drive in the car tomorrow, and I'm going to play my wife this song like I might have back in the day when I was like 16 years old and just staring at somebody from a distance. I don't think my wife's going to be creeped out by it. It's going to be sweet. It'll be a sweet moment. You guys let me know what songs would be on your mixtape these days. Hit me up on the text line, 888-973-5476. Casey and JoJo is definitely going on mine. So let me know what you guys would pick on yours. And don't go anywhere. we got a lot more coming up on Cairo Nights. All my life, I pray for someone like- 